Thank you for listening to the Valley Point Church Podcast. We are currently in the series, Nailed It. We hope it's a blessing to you. We've come to the end of our time walking through the series, Nailed It. I want to thank you for walking through this entire experience with me. I also want to welcome all those who may be watching online today. Thank you for joining us, and please share where you're watching from so we can encourage you as well. When I first started thinking about the Reformation and putting together a whole series that would describe a monk, a religious leader, a religiously trained individual who took a mallet and some nails and then posted to a church door in Wittenberg, Germany, 95 concerns, 95 statements of what he was worried about that was happening within the church in hopes of starting a conversation and a way to maybe clean up the church a little bit. That was his whole purpose in doing that. When I thought about starting this series, I was really excited about studying the Reformation. I love history, I love church history, and I love theology. And all three of those things are tucked within the Reformation. So I bought a bunch of books, and I began to read, and all of a sudden I was very overwhelmed, because there is so much content, there is so much stuff that happened when Martin Luther nailed that posting in 1517, nearly 500 years ago now. So much content. And so I became a little worried, but after looking at key events and key people and studying key places, what I discovered is that there are five faith statements that fell out of the Reformation that really framed all of their conversations. For the last five weeks, we have been talking about these five statements. They're called solas. Sola is a Latin word that means alone or only. And these are five statements that don't need to be accompanied by anything else. They have the ability to stand on their own. And so one more time, let's just think about these solas, these faith statements. We started with sola scriptura, then sola gratia, Sola fide, solus Christus, and then soli Deo Gloria. It's a lot of solas, but we've walked through it, and I think it's been very beneficial for us to think about sola scriptura, scripture alone, and the value and the power and the authority of God's word and how it can help us stand up. Sola gratia, grace alone and this incredible gift of God that he has extended to us that is undeserved. It's given to us by grace and by grace alone. Sola fide, faith alone, and the object of our faith should be solus Christus, Christ alone. Today we come to the end of the series and we're going to look at Soli Deo Gloria, which is to the glory of God alone. And this was really the summary statement of the reformers. So Sola Scriptura, Sola Gratia, Sola Fide, Solus Christus, and Soli Deo Gloria. These solas drove 
the conversations that the reformers had with the people around them. And I think it's interesting that these things are still impacting the church today. 500 years later, I mean, this all began in 1517 with the nailing of that posting on that church door in Germany, and we are still having conversations about these faith statements today. You need to know that Valley Point Church, we as a church, we would affirm and say yes to every single one of those solas. Yes, scripture alone, grace alone, faith alone, Christ alone, and to the glory of God alone. Again, I just want to thank you for walking through this with me. I know history isn't for everybody, but I think these are important things to consider because we stand on the shoulders of some very brave women and men who stood for truth. And many of them gave their lives to proclaim these solas. Along the way, I think we've had a lot of fun too. So I hope you never forget about the Reformation and I hope you never forget the word sola. Can you agree to remember that? Shake your head. All right, wonderful. So that brings us to today and we're gonna look at this final statement, soli Deo Gloria, which means to the glory of God alone. Your life, my life, should be lived, not just on Sunday, but on Monday through Saturday. All of life, everywhere, all of the time. It should be lived not for my glory, not for my recognition, but everything should point to the glory of God and his glory alone. We're going to have a lot of fun thinking through this today, and I hope that you leave prepared and ready to say, okay, my life, I'm going to use it all the time, everywhere, to the glory of God alone. That's my hope for all of us as we walk out of here in just a bit. Before we jump into our content, I would like to take just a moment to clear our minds and to pray. I think we need to do that. I know many hearts are heavy in light of what has happened in Las Vegas, what is happening in Puerto Rico, and whatever may be happening in your life that perhaps no one knows about but God himself. Heavy hearts today. And so in these situations, we just take time. We get quiet. We get low and we talk to our fathers. So will you pray with me? Father, in the quietness of this moment, we reach out to you. And we're here today to think about giving glory to you and to you alone. And that's such an exciting thought. That my life, in spite of who I am and how I think and what has happened to me, my life as a Christ follower can give glory to you. What an amazing thought. And we're here to work through that and to look at scripture that helps us to understand this. But God, I do think on this Sunday, a lot of heavy hearts here. A lot of heavy hearts. And we have all watched and heard about what happened in Las Vegas. Such a senseless tragedy. 
So many lives lost, destroyed. And it's so troubling. So troubling to us. And so, God, it's in these moments that we do really the only thing we can do. And that is we come to you, our Heavenly Father, and we place these things at your feet. And we just ask for you to work, for you to comfort, for you somehow to make yourself real to these families who are so devastated. So God, I just want to pray for what happened in Las Vegas and for these families right now who are weeping. You tell us in Scripture to weep with those who weep. And so even though that's a long way from us, and it's not our city, it's not our state, we want to do what Scripture says and weep with those who weep over such a tragedy. And so we do that and we pray for these families who are lost and lonely and their worlds have been crushed. God, would you make yourself real to them? Whether they think about you or know you or care about you, would you somehow make yourself very real to them? And would they come to understand that you are a loving and compassionate God? Pray for that city. Pray that people would come together and love each other and treat each other with kindness and compassion. God, I pray for the churches in that city that they would rise up and be the hands and feet of Jesus and that they would be a bright light in a very dark situation. So God, we give Las Vegas to you. God, I also think about Puerto Rico and what's happening and all the the devastation that's there. And so we lift up that beautiful place that is just destroyed and would ask for the same thing, that you would somehow make yourself known to those who are suffering and have experienced loss and see no way forward. God, I pray for the churches there. And no doubt they're hurting and and they've been devastated and they've experienced loss. Help them to rise though. Be a bright light. God, here at Valley Point, we have several families from Puerto Rico and they're here, but they have family still there. And I know they're worried and communication isn't great. And I pray for our families here that you would give them a sense of trust in you and for their families in Puerto Rico, for safety, and that they would have the chance to rebuild. So God, we give these situations to you and just ask that you work because we really don't know what else to ask for. God, for those who have walked into the room and and they have their own hurt that maybe nobody else knows about but you, I pray that even through our conversation today that there would be a sense that you care and that with their life, they still can give glory to you. So God, meet us 
Encourage us, I do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Here's our big idea for today, and I want to spend some time just thinking through this. Responding to the greatness of God. Here's what it does. It points my heart in his direction and helps me give credit to him, credit to God. So responding to the greatness of God, it it points my heart. This is posture of the heart kind of stuff here. So when I respond to God and his greatness, well, it points my heart in his direction and it helps me to give credit to God. Often when we think about responding to God, we use words like, let's give credit to him. Let's give glory to him. Let's tell God that he is worth it. Let's respond to him. And really, you can tuck all of those phrases and all of those words under this word. It's the word worship, responding to the greatness of God. And one of the things that the reformers 500 years ago began to understand is that, yes, scripture alone talks to us about how we can have a right standing with God through grace alone and faith alone, and the object of our faith is in Jesus alone. But then they they came up with a summary statement that said, soli deo gloria. Like, here's how we can respond to the greatness of God. We tell him that he is worth it, and we worship him. So if you remember a couple of weeks ago, I said one of the central questions of the Reformation is how can I have a right standing with God? How? How does that happen? And the Reformers wrestled with that question. And their wrestling took them to Scripture where they began to study. And one of the books that they really dove into during this whole time of discovering and this spiritual awakening is the book of Romans. And what we find in the book of Romans is exactly how you can have a right standing with God. And so they found the answer there. When we get to Romans chapter 11, we then find some glorious words that again summarize scripture alone, grace alone, faith alone, and Jesus alone. So I want to look at some words in Romans chapter 11. Romans is a book in the New Testament. It's written by a guy named Paul who wrote many New Testament books. He wrote the book of Romans. And the purpose of the book of Romans is that Paul wanted to present a comprehensive statement on how you can have this right standing with God. Now remember, big question of the Reformation. Is that possible and how does that happen? Well, Paul, years before the Reformation, wrote the book of Romans to say, here's how it happens. Here's how you have this right standing. Scripture alone, grace alone, faith alone, in the person of Christ alone. And then we find these wonderful, glorious words in Romans chapter 11. I'm going to begin reading with verse 33. Let's just walk through this together. Here's what verse 33 says. Oh, how great... And that word great there means deep. So we could say how how deep are, and we'll run our list here in just a moment. One of the beautiful things about the language of the New Testament is that the words have really great meaning. So we often say, you know, that was great. The pizza was great. The movie was great. The football game was great. 
Well, here, this is beyond that. It means how deep, how great. There's richness to this. Oh, how great are God's riches. And that word there means abundance or wealth. And so here's a question for all of us. How great? How deep is the wealth of God? How great is his abundance? It's a good question. It goes on to say how deep, how great is his wisdom? And that word there means skill. So a great question for us. How great, how deep are the skills that God has? So how great, how deep are God's riches and his wisdom and his knowledge? And that word means understanding way. So how God operates, he understands even when we cannot. And how deep is that? These are great questions. Great questions. How great, how deep God's riches, his wisdom, and his knowledge. Here's some more thoughts. How impossible it is for us to understand his decisions and his ways. Fairly impossible. Verse 34 says, For who can know the Lord's thoughts? And who knows enough to give him advice? Sometimes occasionally I'll be meeting with people and I'll hear them say, you know, I just want to give God a piece of my mind. That's a scary thought because he doesn't need that. He doesn't need that. Because we don't know enough to give him advice, as it says here in verse 34. And then it goes on to ask another question. And who has given him so much that he needs to pay it back? Like, God, I gave you a loan and now I I, I need it back. Great questions. And then we find this in verse 36. For everything, okay, we're starting to zero in now on the glory of God. How great God's riches, his wisdom, his knowledge. And who knows enough to give God advice or who's ever given a loan to God that God has to pay it back? Here we go. For everything comes from him and exists by his power and is intended for his, say the next word with me, glory. All, say it again, glory. All glory to him forever. Amen. Now you read that and you say, okay, it makes sense. Everything's from God and for God, but what do you do with that? Right? How do you respond to that? Well, we're going to turn to the next chapter because here it comes. Here's the summary of all of this. How great, how deep is the riches, the knowledge, and the wisdom of God and who can give God advice Right? These are wonderful questions and all glory to him. And, and here's what it says now in chapter 12, verse 1. And so, dear brothers, now in light of all of that, in light of everything we've discovered, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. Let's pause here for a moment. In ancient Judaism, the word sacrifice was often used figuratively to speak of giving praise or your life 
being a life that gives worth or praise to God. So we're not talking about hurting our bodies here. We're talking about my life, offering it to God. In light of what he's done for me, in light of what he's offered, grace alone, faith alone, and the person of Christ alone, in light of all of that, and how everything comes from God and is for him and his glory, offer your body as a living praise. It's beautiful. Offer your body as a lifestyle of praise. And then verse one wraps up by saying this. This, get this now, this is truly the way to worship him. You know, there's a lot of definitions given of worship. Here's what it is. Here's what it means. Here's how you do it. I think when you walk through Romans chapter 11 and then you jump into that first verse, what we discover here is that worship, true worship is defined as me giving my body as a living praise to God for him to do with as he pleases. And I do that everywhere and all of the time. And when that happens, solely Deo Gloria, to the glory of God alone. He gets credit. This is truly the way to worship him. That word worship there in verse one means to minister to God, to render religious homage, to serve. And so when you sum all of that up, you can say, here's the way to truly minister to God. Here's the way to give him religious Homage. Here's the way to serve God. You offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, as a living praise to God. The reformers understood this. And so they cried, Scripture alone, grace alone, faith alone, Christ alone. And now we get the wonderful opportunity with our lives to offer them to God all the time and everywhere as a praise offering to this incredible God. Back to our big idea. Responding to the greatness of God, it points my heart in his direction and helps me give credit to him. Okay? Responding to the greatness of God points my heart in his direction, which, by the way, is the right direction, and helps me give credit to him. Here's our first takeaway for today. That is, remember what God has done for you. This is what I want for everybody. Let's just enter into a time where we remember what God has done for us. And the reformers became so gripped with what they saw in scripture and the story of grace alone, faith alone, Jesus alone. And that's the object of our faith that they said all of our life. We have to give our bodies to him as a living act of praise all of the time. And so I want us to remember what God has done for us today. Here's what I would encourage you to do. We just kind of put your stuff down right now, your Bibles, your talk notes, your devices, and kind of let your hands be open for a few moments. Because I want us to really think and I want us to really consider what God has done as we move into a time of communion now and remember the gift of Jesus and how he came and 
gave his perfect life and his body was broken and his blood was shed so that we could enter into this forever friendship with God and that our lives could be this living story of praise. Will you pray with me? God, right now we clear our minds. We want to push out plans and events and all of the stuff that needs to be accomplished today and this week. We just want to push all of that to the side for just a few moments and enter into a time where we honor you and remember what you have done for us. Scripture tells us that you you love the world so much, so much that you gave your only son. And that son came and he lived and he died. He rose again, which is a great story, but yet there was a tremendous amount of pain in there. His body was broken and his blood was shed for all of us. So that through grace alone and faith alone in the person of Jesus and his accomplished work, we could enter into this friendship with you. God, we want to thank you for that and express gratitude. So help us to remember now. Help us to remember now Jesus and his sacrifice. And use our lives in the process to give glory to you. Glory to you. We pray this in the wonderful name of Jesus, the one we remember now. Amen. Please. I want to ask this question. What does it look like if we're winning when it comes to worship? If we're succeeding at this, what does that look like? I think we have wonderful examples in the reformers. They gave their lives. Many of them actually gave their lives and were killed for what they said and for what they believed and in that way gave glory to God. Not all of them were killed, though. Some of them lived and they accomplished some incredible things in getting the word out about Scripture alone. Grace alone, faith alone, in Jesus alone, and with their lives, they gave glory to God. And so the question, what does it look like today, not 500 years ago, but what about today? What does it look like if we're winning and succeeding when it comes to worship? Well, part of our dream here at Valley Point Church is pointing people to real relationships and real significance, and we say there are three ways we go about doing that. We worship, we connect, and we go. So this word worship is actually a part of our whole strategy. We want people with their lives to be responding to the greatness of God and giving glory. And so what does it look like when we're winning? Well, here is an action step. Here is some language that we've put to this. And I want you to see this because I think it will help us all consider how we can respond to God and know that we're winning. So 
check out these words, this action step. I will spend at least one period of the week listening to God through his word and one period learning about his son Jesus in community with others. And so that's kind of simple, but yet a hard thing to actually do. And so we're winning when it comes to worship and giving credit to God and telling him that he's worth it when we find ourselves doing this, spending at least one period of the week listening to God through his word. That's my time in scripture. That's reading and studying and wrestling with great truth. One period of the week listening to God through his word and and one period learning about his son Jesus in community with others. Such a valuable thing and a needful thing for all of us. Can I encourage you this morning? You're doing that? By your sheer presence here today, you are taking these action steps. We're spending time looking at God in his word. Romans chapter 11, Romans chapter 12. We're wrestling with how great is God and what does he want for me and and what does he want for you in response to how good he is. And here you are, worshiping Christ in community with other people. This is a beautiful thing. And so I want to encourage you and applaud you. Your actions today indicate that you indeed are taking steps to win when it comes to worship. Great job, church. Great job. Can I challenge you though? I want to challenge you because if this is the only time We spend a period looking into God's word. And if this is the only time throughout a week that we're with other people who love us and can encourage us and have high character and push us a little closer to Jesus, it's not enough. It's not enough. And the reformers got that. And that's why they said, all of life, every day, Everywhere is an opportunity to give glory to God. Here's what we do. If you're anything like me, we tend to take Sunday and this is the holy day. And so we get ready and we get dressed and we come and we sing and we open up God's word and we take notes and we do all of that and hopefully feel encouraged and learn. And that's a wonderful thing. But what about Monday then through Saturday? Sometimes we kind of split that out. And say, well, that's my time and that's when I'm working and with family and coaching and doing whatever it is that I do. And I think we often fail to understand all of that. When you trust in Jesus alone, every day is holy. And he wants all of us, all of the time. I like to say it this way, where you live, work, and play, So that's everything. Where you live, work, and play. Glory to God. Glory to God. So think about this. Tomorrow, most of us will go to work. Where you work. That's a holy thing. Whatever God has given to you, that work is sacred. It's holy. 
And through that work and on the job, glory to God. And that comes out in how we respond to people over us, under us, how we encourage what we complain about or don't. Right? Work, a wonderful opportunity. Glory to God. At home, everybody lives somewhere. Right there, Sunday to Saturday, glory to God. And that, quite honestly, might be the hardest place to do it. But yet we need to. Students, listen to this for a second. School, okay? And most of you are off tomorrow, so maybe you get a pass for one day. But starting on Tuesday, in the hall, in your classes, on those teams, glory to God. Glory to God with what we say and with what we do. All of life, every day, glory to God. And this was the summary statement of the reformers. Scripture alone, grace alone, faith alone, Jesus alone. And guess what? All of our life, everywhere we go, it's glory to God. I love this quote from a couple of authors that I read, and I want to share it with you. God is the God of all creation. He is the God of Monday mornings as well as Sunday mornings. Humanity was made in the image of God to reflect his glory in his world. In the gospel, we are restored to our true humanity. We are renewed so that we can, again, reflect God's glory in God's world. The Reformation affirmation of everyday life is an invitation to see the whole world as the theater of God's glory and to see our whole lives as opportunities to reflect that glory. Soli Deo Gloria, to the glory of God. Will you stand with me? I want to go back to Romans chapter 11 and look at some verses there and then Romans chapter 12, that first verse again, which is so incredible. And I want us to read that together. This is our declaration today. So here's Romans chapter 11. Let's read it together. For everything comes from him and exists by his power and is intended for his glory. All glory to him forever. Amen. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. I've got one more takeaway for you this morning, and that is respond to God's greatness. Okay? We're here. This is our day where we tend to focus on that, but I want us to respond in a different kind of way. I want us to lift up these songs and make them our hearts cry and really use these next few moments to say, okay, God, I'm gonna step out of here and whatever it is I face this week and there's some things we know that are going to happen and there's a whole lot of stuff we can't anticipate. So whatever that looks like and whatever that means, God, prepare me now to respond to you and to use all of my life everywhere, every day to give glory to you. So let's declare this 
and let's sing together and respond to the greatness of God. Thanks for listening. If you call Valley Point Church home or would like to make a donation, please go to valleypointchurch.com slash online giving. If you're in need of prayer, we would love to serve you in that way. Send us a message at prayer at valleypointchurch.com. Be blessed.